faltering. But he did have the distinct impression that he was being tested, perhaps not in the way the martyrs had, for he had little in the way of pain and suffering to endure. No, for him, indifference and suspicions of irrelevance were the chosen instruments of examination. The telephone rang in the vestry and mercifully broke his train of thought. Reverend Lawson? John Trainer, Assistant Governor at the State Hospital here, Minister. Sorry to interrupt your Sunday, but Hector Coombe is asking to see you. Can't it wait until Wednesday? asked Lawson, seeing the threat to his planned evening in with a couple of drams of Art Beg Malt and Ian Rankin's latest Rebus book. Wednesday was his usual day for visiting the State Hospital at Carstairs, and he found once a week more than enough. Carstairs was a secure establishment for the criminally insane, Scotland's equivalent of Broadmoor in England, and not the kind of place to offer comfort to those of low spirit or foster an unquestioning love of humanity. Freed not, Minister. Coombs very poorly. The doctor doesn't think he'll see out the night. All right, give me an hour, said Lawson resigning himself to a forty-minute drive across bleak moorland in the dark, when the weather forecast was for rain driving into central areas of the country aided by strong westerly winds. As he changed out of his robes in the vestry, Lawson couldn't ever recall the patient Coombe expressing a desire to speak to him before. The more he thought about it, an unpleasant sneer was what he associated most with the man, a look on his face that suggested cynical superiority and an outlook that equated religious belief with weakness. This, of course, was before the man's illness had destroyed his capacity to display any expression at all. Coombe had been receiving treatment for cancer of the jaw, which had involved radical surgery to his face. Coombe was a dying man, and that, as Lawson conceded, often changed things. Perhaps it wasn't too surprising at all that he was seeking some contact with the church at this late stage. A great many tended towards repentance when the grim reaper was about to call. Just in case... As he'd feared, the rain started in earnest as he set out in his old Ford Escort for Carstairs, and positively lashed down as he drove across the barren stretch of moorland between his upgate manse and the state hospital. At one point he had to slow down almost to a standstill when the wipers failed to cope with the sheer volume of water. The sound of the rain hitting the roof of the car was impeding his ability to think straight, and his every instinct was to turn back. But if this was to be Hector Coombe's last night on earth, he felt obliged to push on, if at all possible. He felt guilty for hoping that the governor would be right in his prognosis of death for Coombe. He really didn't want to be doing this for no reason. The rain slackened a little, and he started to make better progress, though it seemed as if every dip in the road harboured a small lake which threw up a bow wave and threatened to swamp the car's electrics. Lawson's thoughts turned to hoping that he could disguise his dislike of the prisoner Coombe when he got there. 
Coombe was a psychopath, a convicted murderer who had killed four people during his adult life without compunction or remorse. Lawson knew that it was incumbent upon him to seek out some saving grace in the man, particularly at a time when it was fashionable to believe that all people must have one. But Lawson found it hard to share this view. His dealings with the inmates at Carstairs had convinced him otherwise. There had been times in that benighted place when he had felt the presence of evil to be almost tangible. Some of the inmates seemed to exude it, an invisible miasma of malevolence that challenged the very concepts of civilized society. The car emerged from the confines of a long avenue of trees, and Lawson felt the familiar hollow feeling come to his stomach as the high perimeter fence of the prison or